Let's just welcome you right now to the F1 Funcast. It truly is one of the greatest spectacles in racing. Absolutely incredible! Your host for this podcast, Mr. Funcast himself, James Messer. We're watching history and we might as well get on board. And the brains of the operation, Connor, the crew chief, Gagnon. It takes a special kind of person to do what I do. Hello and welcome to the 2024 Formula One season with us here at the F1 Funcast. That's right, your ears and your eyes are not playing tricks on you, because with today's practice sessions, it is officially the start of a new Formula One season full of promise and incredible moments yet to come. Can Rebel retain their stranglehold on the rest of the grid, or will chinks in the armor show and allow other teams to claw back towards the top? All of that and more to come during what should be a stellar season ahead. On today's episode, we are going to dive into where we believe the top five teams stand after watching testing, while also touching on some key points of interest from the rest of the grid. Hello, James. What are your What's on your mind as we welcome our listeners into this new season? Well, it really truly is the most wonderful time of year, isn't it? It's, uh, it's the dawn of a new year. It's the best optimism abounds you know for the next 48 hours or so i I imagine and um i'm just excited i'm excited to talk formula one i'm excited to watch formula one again you know like uh like we used to do back in november and it's just it's great to be back it's great to be doing this and i'm excited to uh to get the 2024 season underway how about you how are uh how do you feel on this eve of the uh 2024 formula one season over there i'm feeling pretty great uh it's just it feels great to hear cars on track again there's just something about it that uh it makes makes the butterflies come back a little bit you know there's so much anticipation especially coming into a new season uh you never know if one team is gonna just make a breakthrough and get up to the top like we saw mclaren do the second half of last season we could see Red Bull continue their dominance or maybe not. We don't know because they're going with a totally new car concept that's really turning heads. So it's it's going to be an interesting fight, I think. I, I, I agree. I, the R, so it's the RB20 for Red Bull this year? Is that the... RB20 the this year. Boy, it does. it is radical. I, it was surprising, or maybe not surprising, but to see the, the reigning champion who was almost undefeated changed their concept so much in the new season was yeah um exciting i guess you know that they have the confidence and unexpected unexpected right and i think it's it's great sportsmanship it's it's pushing it it's not just resting back and making slight improvements on the rb19 but saying we're going for it again we're we're you're chasing us you're chasing our tail rather than uh catching us you know at least that's the impression right exactly what do you exactly think? because I mean they they don't the problem with teams is that if they stay stagnant and they stay confident they have a season like Red Bull just did and they go oh you know what we can just bring that same car to next season we'll probably have the same results but the truth of that is it's very short sighted and oftentimes just doesn't happen Formula One is a constantly evolving thing 
everybody is always looking to improve even by a tenth of a second can change everything for a team. So to stay stagnant and not try and move forward and not try and push new boundaries and not try and bring new ideas to the table and put them on the car, it would be ill-advised, I think is the term I would use. I I agree. And I think, well, so what's the impression? What's the impression um, qualifyings in you know, this weekend is the RB20... Let's talk about the track. Let's talk about a little bit about testing and what you've seen so far in FP1, FP2. Are the champions coming with another hammer? Or has... Um, do, do we think the gap could be closed a little bit heading into Bahrain? What, what, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Um, I mean, their, their concept is pretty incredible when you look at the details of it. They look to have taken what Mercedes had last year and kind of twisted it a little bit, where they have fixed it. Yeah. The ver- they have like yeah. a vertical side, vertical inlet on the side pod, but then they also have an overbite instead of an underbite for the the radiator inlet. And then if you move a little bit further back towards right behind where the driver's helmet is on either side. On those big shoulders that are now on the side on the uh, engine covers, those look there's incredible. also yeah. there's also radiator inlets there too, or some kind of cooling inlets. It's not to mention the airbox up on top. So there's a lot of little tricks being played, and I think it's also kind of funny that Mercedes dropped the big hunchback cannons that they had last year, and Red Bull picked them up that's what they're that's what they have now I said thank you very and much whether that's gonna be something that pays dividends for them or not it's to be seen they were only f- fifth or sixth fastest at the end of fp2 today so we'll have to see mercedes was up on top though so i mean yeah that was pretty unexpected well the, the issue you run into is that it's still Max Verstappen, you know, that's uh, take away. If you had equal, if you had equal machinery, you still have to, you still have to find a way to beat Max Verstappen. And that's tough enough on, um, on equal footing. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if maybe we're, we might not be in for a repeat of last year's dominance, but I do think even with Mercedes looking good and these other teams all looking innovative, I feel like, a lot of the top five look pretty innovative, which is which is fun, you know. Um, it's just still they're so they're so not. I guess are they far behind? Our team's playing catch up to Helmet Marco. Is that what's happening? Every I, year? I think it, I think it's 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 one of those things where after the season that Red Bull had last year, it's it's almost impossible to say oh they'll like you you have to say that. Oh, they're just gonna they'll sort it out. It'll be fine. You know? And obviously we haven't even gotten to the first race yet, let alone the first qualifying session. We won't really have a true understanding for the pecking order until the end of Q three. Ah, I'm so excited. All the engine modes are up as high as possible, lowest fuel loads, softest compound of tires, and just all out driving. We haven't really seen that yet. We have seen some 
flying laps, I guess I'll say, um, towards the end of testing on day three and then going into FP2, drivers trying to find those limits of the cars because you only get a day and a half in the car right. during testing, right. which is not, not a lot of time to come to grips with um, a new car. I mean, yes, you have time in the simulators, but it's nothing really compared to having that same sense of feel from a real car under you. So here's a question I've heard recently, a term that I've heard that, uh, you know, newbie-ish F1 fan. What are, what are they talking about when they talk about doing the shakedown on a car before testing? It seems like, is that like where they kind of get, they run the car a bit just to see how everything feels before they really go out for testing? You know, have you heard that? You know, the shakedown? Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's kind of just another term for the first time that they're putting the car out of track and running it, not necessarily at its maximum potential, but just kind of trying to break the car in a little bit and see, okay, if, the, if there's anything we missed or if the data is matching what we were seeing. Right. But yeah, there's not really anything else other than that. Just a quick, a quick checkup before hitting, hitting testing. So yeah. <clears throat> who's caught your eye then so far? Uh, not not the internet's eye, not uh, not what everyone else. Who's caught your eye out there? Um, as you know, again, we're recording between FP2 and FP3 on uh, Bahrain weekend. But who who looks good? Who's caught the eye of the crew chief so far in Bahrain? Well, I do just want to touch on Red Bull real quick before we get back into of course. into that. Of course. Um, We'll, we'll come right back to that. But I just want to say that um, I don't know if anybody else has heard this, but it appears Rebel might be looking to introduce a, their own version of a slim pod or zero pod concept as early as Japan this year. So that could be quite the twist, but we'll have to see how this concept gets on and if they want to stick with it or they'll say, you know what, we're going to bring the RB19 back out of the garage and we're going to run that this year and catch right back up boy it's nice to have options isn't it oh it's great to have options when you know when if your new car isn't working that well just break out the car that dominated last season and you should be fine so do you think the rb19 would win this weekend in bahrain like i don't know it's tough to tell i mean i i i don't see any reason why it couldn't right and it's fully maxed out and they had that they had it ironed out they they didn't even time. they didn't even develop it for the last half of the year. So, right. Right. I mean, if you think about it that way, if they put another half a season of development into that car, look at where it would be. You know, outer space, um, maybe. You know, just yeah, maybe potentially <laughs> it could be in orbit by now. But so the the car that well, one of the cars that caught my attention, and I will say this as a Ferrari fan, as a Tifosi, yeah, uh, it was the Ferrari. Yes, here we go. Here come the the early season. It's it's like the Cowboys every year. We get our hopes up. We do we it think, every... All right, this is you know what this is our year. This this team's looking great. This is our year, and then it gets to the season, and there's some flashes, but it all ends the same way. You don't really do anything, and when you get to the playoffs, you're out in the first round. But no, no. Say... Let's hear the optimism. Let's hear the optimism. This is this is the <laughs> podcast for the optimism. What do you what do you got? What do you see? And Ferrari. So Ferrari looks to have... They've ditched their scallops side pods. They've ditched the in-wash effect. And they're going for the more 
traditional route with the downwash side pods where there's a big slide effect uh, and they've kept the pull rod rear suspension which the only other team that has that right now is Haas because they share components between the two teams. I wanted to ask you about that and maybe we'll circle back to that. Yeah, the of difference course. Between the two. Yep. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh no, I no, I was gonna we could circle back, but just pull rods and push rods is interesting. We can we can digress on that later. It is an interesting one. I think we can yeah, we'll we'll branch off for that one. So the interesting thing with the with the pull rod suspension. I, I always have to think about that for a second because they're similar in ways, but also not at the same time. But when you try and save one of them, you have the other one in your head and you trip yourself up like I just did twice. But <laughs> so the advantage or the thing with Ferrari is that they've kept this because they've seen it has an advantage in terms of grip through low speed corners and traction out of those low speed corners where they had that advantage last year. They just had a problem with managing their tires and keeping them from degrading quickly. And part of the reason behind that was that the car was sort of unstable and they had to drive it at the at the limit. And when you drive a car that's unstable at the limit all the time, it's going to be very unstable. It's going to be unnervy. It's going to want to get the tail out a little bit. And you're going to be putting more and more heat into the tires, which you you want heat in the tires. But if you overwork them, they lose grip really quick. So that was one of the things that Ferrari was really trying to focus on this offseason. And it looks as if they've done a decent job at it. Um, so... It looks like they've retained most of their single lap pace. Ferrari was fastest on the second and third day of testing. On the third day of testing, they were one and two. But they traded some of that single lap pace for the race pace, which is great because that shows that they're focusing on forgiveness. Wow, it's been a long day, guys. I'm sorry. They're focusing on forgiveness in the drivability of the chassis. And in a side-by-side comparison of Red Bull and Ferrari long runs, and again, this is just an estimation because nobody knows the full fuel loads or any of the engine modes, downforce levels, you know, it's testing. It's all very secretive. It's it's just, it's a ballpark estimate. Right, 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 right. So both of the teams had fairly similar race pace in the edge going to Red Bull, which not really surprising considering last season, but... That being said, compared to where Ferrari was last year, it's a huge step. And they were actually nipping at the heels of the Red Bull in terms of race pace. So, Tafosi, I'd be pretty encouraged by that if I were you. Well, and I think that's encouraging for uh, F1 fans across the globe, really. I mean, anyone... they were You're right, it, they were nipping at the heels of the Red Bull last year. And anybody, if anyone can do it, I think uh, the world of Formula One will get behind them because it's been two calendar years now, really, of uh, dominance from Red Bull. So if it has to be Ferrari, so be it. And um, the only team to win a Grand Prix last year besides Red Bull was, was it Ferrari uh, Signs in Singapore? Signs. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think um, I think it would be exciting. I think Ferrari, 
has a lot to look forward to. Um, and we talked they about... Do. We're, we're, they do. We're going to uh, add on to this podcast at some point. We talked earlier about uh, Lewis Hamilton and the news um, of him him going to Ferrari in You're going to have to be a Ferrari fan <laughs> soon because I know your guy is Lewis Hamilton. He's coming over to the Scarlet, Scarlet Red. So I kind of can't best wait. Best of luck to you because you're going to have to be adopted as a Tifosi. It's a beautiful... Yeah, but it's... We'll take you in. You think so? You think the... I I I think I think we'll take you in. I think have to bend the knee because, like Vettel says, everybody's a Ferrari fan. Even if you even if you don't root for them, everybody's a Ferrari fan. That's I think it's true, and I I don't know what it is, but uh, I'll have no problem. You know me. I'll not have no problem buying a uh, Ferrari hoodie and pretending I've been rooting for them since 1994. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's exciting. I think that there's there is some uh, brightness on the horizon. The sun might be rising again uh, I agree. for Ferrari, which which is exciting. That's one of they're one of those teams that that's you know like in any sport when they're doing well, the sport's doing well. You know. Um, yeah. And and hopefully, I mean, I'm with you. I'm not a Ferrari hater at the moment, and I'm excited excited for uh, somebody. So at this point, are they the biggest challenger? I know we're not. Uh, we're not quite there yet. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure. And just before I continue, I just want to clarify. I don't. I can't remember because, like I said before, I get the two views all the time. But if I said push rod suspension for the rear, I apologize. That is not what they run. They run pull rod. So let's clarify that real quick. Clarification. But, Sound bite. Right and, there. It's beautiful. And I and I would also add that. In terms of my last point with Ferrari's long run pace, uh, it's still pretty scary, the consistency the Red Bull seems to have with their tires. They're very gentle on the tires, as we knew from last year, but Verstappen did a run of like 10 or 15 laps on the C3s on the third day, and he was like within a few tenths on every single lap, whereas everybody else was falling off. And I don't know if that's just other teams were doing different things with the tires or with their cars and the setups or what it was, but it's pretty scary to see a guy lapping within a few tenths of each of a, of himself for 10 to 15 laps on end on the same tires and not going slow either. I mean, he was, it seemed like he was, Doing race like race simulation style laps. That's the thing. That's the thing. When you have the best guy in the best car, it's it's scary. But again, we're we're optimistic here um, on the dawn of the twenty twenty four season. So uh, Ferrari will be looking forward to Lewis Hamilton in the future, and uh, Lewis Hamilton in the present is driving for Mercedes, who is at the top of the. They were at the top of the. Uh, Top of the tables. They were one and two, I believe, at the end of FP two today. What what can you take? I'd away have to go back and look at that. Well, I mean, it shows that Lewis Hamilton was right in terms of switching the concept. And maybe had they done that last year, he probably would have stayed at Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean it's tough to tell because they didn't really show their full hand during testing. They seemed like they were, you know, third third best car out there. You know, not terrible, and they weren't far off the pace, but they weren't tracking to be at the front. But here they were 
Hamilton, I think, lapped faster than he did in qualifying last year during FP2. So that's a pretty big step. Yeah, that's and a great step. That's a great A lot of the reason because of that, well, a lot of the reason for that big step is they changed their car concept. Uh, they went away from the slim pods, as I'm going to call them. It wasn't really a zero pod anymore. It was just a slim down side pod. Um, right. They did what they so could without. They, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Because they had this certain limitation, like we've talked about before with the, cra- the crash structures underneath and the side pods. There's only so much you can do because you can't really move that during the season without building a whole new car. Right. So they ditched that. They went with the more Red Bull style side pod, just a more complete version of it. They do have little slides, like little gullies slides that are reminiscent of like the Aston Martin and the Alpine. Not quite as extreme, but to that kind of degree where there's a little cutout channel so the air can flow down the side pods and out to the diffuser. So another big thing with the Mercedes though was the front wing. There's a lot of controversy about this when they unveiled the car. Yeah, so, because yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you look at the the top element, it doesn't it connects but the top element, that fourth element, doesn't go all the way to the nose as such. It kind of stops like halfway down the main plane, and then there's almost like a wire that or a cable that connects it to the nose. And there's a lot of hearsay, I guess, about whether that was going to be legal or not. But if you look at the regulations... It doesn't say that you have to have four complete elements. It just says there's a maximum of four. So even if they didn't connect it to the nose, it still would have been legal because they have four elements and no more no than more four than elements. Four. Right, right. But what's also kind of cool, and I love I love the front view of this wing because it's very reminiscent, to, at least to me, of like the like a 2005 wing where they have like this big kind of like a it's just a big dip in the middle where the nose is uh where the the tip of the nose is and it's just i don't know it, it looks fantastic i like the way that their wing looks their the tip of the nose doesn't go all the way to the very uh bottom of the first element it leaves a gap there and so a lot of the talk about this fourth element not being hooked up to the nose by the complete element is that they're opening up um, the possibility to create a Y250 vortex. Y250 vortex is just... If you've been watching Formula 1 for more than, say, five years, if you notice on the older generations of cars, there those elements never connected to the like the pylons that connected the front wing to the nose. It never went all the way, and that was to allow more air to get to the underside of the car, get to the diffuser, get to the underfloor, um, and not be disturbed. So they're kind of trying to create that same effect. The downside of this is that because it creates such a vortex, it also creates dirty air, 
which is something that the regulations were trying to avoid. It's a big no-no. To allow for, right. yeah, it's a big no-no because they're trying to allow more, um, just more close racing. Yeah, I remember when that was right. exactly right. interesting. And I mean, I, 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 but I, I, I love it. I love the way that the car looks. I think the paint job is fantastic. It reminds me of the old West McLaren liveries from like the early two thousands. You loved it from the, from the they show. Yeah, you did. I, I, I'm not a Mercedes fan, but that car, like the, the, the render image that they showed of just the front of the car, like looking at the front of the car. I mean, it's just, it looks, it. it looks fantastic. It and I, I, I think I texted you right away. I was like, this is immediately giving me vibes from, like an early 2000 McLaren. You know, it would look great too if it could find its way onto a podium position sometime early in the season. That would be, you know, that's how a Mercedes looks best. At least if you ask me yes. around here. But um, No, I, I would absolutely agree. <laughs> well, speaking of McLaren though. Go on. How do you, how do you think they're going to do this year? You know, it's really interesting with McLaren because they're they were on an upward trajectory to end last season, but also, you know, there's a hard, I don't know. I, I don't want to say they have a hard ceiling. I just think they have a hard shell to crack when it comes to trying to break into the top three, you know, like, yeah. Trying to get to that next right, level, like four and five with, uh, you know, they're going to be competing with, with Aston Martin, but I think McLaren is going to be scrapping and taking points from Ferrari and Mercedes here and there throughout the season. You know, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some pole positions or some more sprint race wins out of Oscar Piastri. And I think McLaren, it's a team, you know, trending in the right direction. When the stock market, when you have the green arrow kind of pointing the right way. But um, I don't know. I think it's it's tough to break into that. It's going to be third. interesting to see if they can keep it up, right? Right. And, and they were... If they can kind of carry that momentum over to this season, apply what they learned last season during that big surge that they had, and really apply it into this year's cards. Well, well, so it's going to be interesting to see. Let, let me ask you this. They, you know, they're, they're going along last year. They're improving their car. They're getting better every weekend. And then they're also working on this year's car, but they're learning lessons in 2019 how far along, you know, can you apply those same lessons from last season onto a new, onto the next year's car, or is it already, you know, built a certain way, and you're kind of, you know, pot committed, as they say, in terms of a big design structure, you know, so say, suppose you unlock something in the vehicle late in the 2023 season, is there time to, to transfer that into next year's car, or you kind of have to roll with what you've got. Does that make sense? Is that... I... Th yeah, no, that makes sense. I think... I mean, I, obviously, I'm no... Yeah. I'm no engineer. <laughs> I'm no air geneticist. I'm not working for a Formula 1 team. I'm sitting in my apartment at my desk Just punch, stop recording the this podcast. Clearing, right? you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, I'm going to give you all the, the, the dirty deets on McLaren. Um, no, I mean... I, I just it, wonder. I wonder how it's, much it's 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 entirely possible. It's entirely possible that they are able to carry some of that over. Or if somebody has, or if they find something and they go, oh well, it's too late to put it on the car at the start of the season. But there's ways that we can work this into an upgrade package for at some point during the season, right? Right. Very, which will help people. us down the road. 
so yeah, I mean, they're all you know they might as well be all PhD scientists, you know, with the kind of work that they do. I'm sure most of them are, but you know, um, oh, yeah. So I mean, I'm sure. What, what did you so see? many aerodynamicists? What did we see out of McLaren? Truth, truthfully, I didn't um, dig too deep into how they've looked in testing and the first two practice sessions. How how do they look? Do they look like they're carrying that momentum? into the new season it, yeah yeah i i think they'll be fighting it out with mclaren with yeah they'll be mclaren will be fighting mclaren here we go guys i'm sorry again long day um <laughs> that's my excuse and i'm sticking with it um no but mclaren will be fighting with mercedes and aston martin i think at the, at least at the start of the season we'll see if they can progress a little bit and develop their car like they did last year um what i do like with their cars, it is an evolution of last year's. They have a much bigger undercut in the side pod, that lower lip, or what I'm going to call an underbite, uh, going into the radiator inlet is a little bit larger. The cannons on the back of the engine cover are a little bit larger, a little bit more sculpted. So that's all doing things to energize and control the airflow going to the rear wing diffuser all that stuff that's in the back that's so heavily important with these cars but the one thing i don't like and i think this is a, a lot of well the first like what four launches that we saw was there's so much carbon fiber there's so much exposed carbon fiber it's it's a black car with a couple of strips of orange and some sponsor logos all over it. I mean, I I get it. They have to save weight. They have to do whatever they can to get down to this weight limit or reduce weight because even a few grams can give you, you know, even like a ha- I don't know, like a quarter of a tenth. I don't know, but a quarter of a tenth in Formula One terms is a year. It's a whole. So yeah. it's right. it's right. it's so important for them, right? But when you Take a car like the McLaren or the Sauber, which we'll get to later. It's that's I'm still going to call them Sauber. I don't care what they call themselves. I'm calling them Sauber. <laughs> but when you take a look at cars like that, and then you compare them to, oh, I don't know the, I'm going to call them Red Bull Junior. Or the 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 baby bulls. I think I you know what baby bulls. There we go. That's that's their team name, baby bulls. Because I know, I know what they're supposed to be called. Visa Cash App Racing Bulls. But who's who's gonna say that? I don't even hear Crofty saying and that. Even, they're trying to get them to be called RB, and that's too close to Red Bull. Like you would just assume they're talking about Verstappen and I, Perez. It's so yeah, bad. because I. We've always referred to Red Bull as RB, RB20. Trying to trick us over here. Yeah, it's uh, no good. So it's no good it, names. It, no, I, I've got to say it was so, disappointing. I know it's not a big deal, but gross. Yeah. Gross names. No, it, it is. I, it, like the same thing with the Sauber name. Like, what was it at the when they first announced it back? I, I, it was Team Steak. Sauber kick racing or something to that measure and they put it out there for the world to see and within within a week I think they said like oh no that's not our actual name we're gonna we're changing it don't worry guys that was just a joke yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
because they were just getting so much crap. I think I'm gonna call I mean, them steak every, because it says steak across their back. Steak, and it's like yeah, steak, team steak, but steam steak. Oh, oh no, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> steak. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's different. It's uh, we were watching a little bit of FP one yesterday. And my wife, Lulu, who's a big fan out here, who she couldn't be more thrilled about the Ferrari-Lewis Hamilton marriage, by the way. That's a whole podcast we can do about how over the moon oh, yeah. she is. Oh, yeah. And we will. She's we definitely will. Ferrari shoes, Ferrari scarves, <laughs> Ferrari every... Oh, my God. So, yeah, she's one for your one for your side, for sure. But... Uh, my side? Well, for the Sir, world. Sir, you're going to be joining this side one for the world. in a short amount of time here. <laughs> Um, but she said it's just noticeable the difference on the cars this year and how black they all are. Like to your point, and you know she's kind of a more casual. Well, you've you've seen the you know? you've seen the Alpine, right? Yes. Which so, so, sorry to cut you off, but you've seen the Alpine. Yeah. I mean, th- there's like there's no paint. Right. It's just a little little. There, bit of paint. There's nothing. I mean, to the point where even during like the test, the one of the test days, they added like an extra strip of blue paint onto the nose, so that there was more blue on the car. <laughs> I don't know why, but you know, I was just like, man, really? We're getting to that point where you look at your car and go, you know what? We'll add two strips of two foot strip of blue right here. Just yeah, call just it good. Like someone roll the roller over the side as it drives by. Just stick the roller out, and there you go. Yeah. There's your logo. Be- yeah, it's- because again, look at look at the the baby bulls car. I mean, they're it, it's it's beautiful. It's a great looking car. As far as a visual standpoint, um, my only concern, and I think this is the concern of much of the grid, is if that turns out to be like the RB19 in different clothes. Oh, boy. Where... Oh, boy. Because there's such a close partnership between Red Bull and the Baby Bulls, formerly Toro Rosso, formerly AlphaTauri, now the Baby Bulls, but... There's such a close partnership there that everybody's concerned that they're basically going to have a not necessarily a copy of the RB19, but what's the what's the word I'm looking for here? Like a um, a spiritual successor in in a way um, where and. I think Zach Brown has talked about this and he's raised concerns because the other problem that a lot of teams have with this Red Bull junior team is that much like how Ferrari kind of partners with Haas and that basically gives them two votes against anything or for anything that comes to a vote um, when they're discussing regulation changes or what have you. It's the same thing with Red Bull, where they can use that second team to heavily influence what gets approved and disapproved for regulation changes or whatever, as I said before. Oh, that's very interesting. So there's a lot of there's definitely a lot of talk about that. And it's gonna be interesting to see this season where they stack up. Um and do they look quick? I mean, Do they look they're quick? showing they're showing different. Yeah, they're showing decent pace. Um, I think at one point they were even lapping faster than the RB20, which is kind of hilarious, by the way. That is hilarious. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Uh... <laughs> you go to this totally radical car and 
<laughs> your junior team is beating you. Yeah, yeah. Sergio Perez is chasing Yuki Sonoda for third. I don't, you know, just yeah, right, strange. right. Yeah. Well, maybe you know that would be great. I'd love to see a random team have have success, but it is, you know, the, like you say, the bloodline of these cars, and um, it is. So yeah, we were talking earlier about these top tier teams, and uh, I know you you wanted to talk about Aston Martin. So I guess the time is now. What do you, what, your name what's... is your name is Fernando Alonso. Well, I just yeah, kind of no. want to work our way down the grid here a little bit. Um, we'll touch on the other teams kind of briefly when we get down to them. Um, but as for this team, Aston Martin, the nice bright green cars that I love so much. Um, cars. They are beautiful. beautiful cars. They are beautiful cars. I will. I will say that, and they've come a long way because I remember the first year of Aston Martin where they had like this dark green, and it was almost it was like almost a black. Like under certain light conditions, it looked black, and it just it just didn't fit. And so they went to like a more nice bright green, and it looks so good. But moving away from how the car looks in terms of paint, because there is paint on this car. Um, so, not talking about any other teams, though, but, no, they, they looked pretty decent. I would say they are a top five team. Where they sit in the top five, I, I mean, I couldn't say. Probably, I'd probably put them at five with the other, I mean, considering the other teams we've listed so far, um, the company that they're in, I would probably put them at five until we see how they do, I don't know, in Q3 and see how they're really putting in for time. Um, we'll know a lot more pretty soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll, sure. know, we'll definitely sure. know more tomorrow morning, at least on the East Coast. Mm. Uh, I can't wait. I, can't <laughs> wait. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that qualifying is tomorrow. Tomorrow is Friday. Friday is qualifying day now. And the race is on Saturday. So... In case you guys haven't been paying attention, that's also something you need to know for the first couple of races. Is that that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, I, I mean, I I kind of forgot about it until I got the notification this morning when I was like half asleep at like six thirty. I was like, oh, FP one. Wait a minute. I I had it on um, I had it on Hulu while I was driving to work, so. I was kind of just sitting there, like listening to it. I'm like, oh, all right, I can't miss anything. Like that's how that's how dedicated I am, guys. Sorry to say, but gotta love that. Gotta love that. There's no knocking that dedication. No, um, but yeah. What do you, what do you think of Aston Martin? What do you think their expectations should be? Their aspirations, considering the, the year that they had last year, where they started out so strong and then they just didn't develop the car very well, and the upgrades they did bring to the car didn't really work for them um and they found themselves after a hot start kind of just dropping right back down the order do you think that they're gonna be more consistent this year i think i think for aston martin the goal is a a few more podiums i think it is um i believe were they one of these teams that invested heavily in their um infrastructure in terms of uh you know, so maybe we start seeing some dividends being paid there. I don't think there's a lack of uh, focus or investment at Aston Martin. I agree. I think it's just, um, I think it's it's so hard to catch these teams in front of you. And I mean, 
part of the issue when I look at Aston Martin is just the the and it's no knock on Fernando Alonso really, but the driver pairing versus they're chasing McLaren who has these two dynamic younger drivers where you know Aston Martin is um Fernando Alonso is driving. It seems like at this point he's driving because he loves racing and he loves what they're doing. But, you know, is chasing championships the goal? I I guess what I'm saying is how realistic are they when it comes to points? How competitive are they going to be fighting McLaren for every last point? You know, trying trying to find their way onto the podium. Or is this a team? And I said it last year. And maybe at this point it's a me thing with Aston Martin. But... I just think you have Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris at McLaren who should be, could be race winners any week now, you know, and I think perhaps Fernando Alonso has a couple race wins left in him on his best weekends, and I'm not sure Lance Stroll is a podium guy, so I guess that's where the trouble comes in. It's just an uphill battle in a lot of ways, and and, uh, but at the same time, I, I think they are separating themselves from that that bottom tier you know it seems like there's a real top five bottom five situation yeah going on. exactly and, and i don't i don't think they're falling off the pace and going to be embarrassed by any means i just I, i'm not sure the overall competitive makeup of the team versus some of these younger hungrier teams even like as you were saying the the baby bulls there could be looking to to take points away this season which a team like aston martin can't afford to have those teams beneath them picking away points if they have a bad weekend, you know? Yeah, right. And Well, I, I think that what contributes to that, at least in some aspects, is the fact that, I mean, with all due respect to Lance Stroll, he's, he is a Formula One driver. He is one of 20 people in the world that pilot these cars. So that's, that's quite Amazing. the achievement to be able to get to that point. But... He just he didn't perform very well last year. He hasn't really found his form. He shows flashes of it every now and then, which is great. But when you're a team like Aston Martin, who just pumped in so much money into a brand new facility, brand new wind tunnel, they're trying to recruit um, engineering talent from other top teams to come and join their camp to try to try and get up the order because they want to be competitive. They want to win, but I don't, I don't know. I I love the fact that they have Alonso. I I mean, as long as he's still fast, that's great for them. I think they should just stick with it, but they need to have two drivers. And we saw this with Williams last year where Albon was scoring all the points bar one um, for Williams. And, you could really see how if they had a second driver even scoring the same amount of points, they would have been so much further up the championship. But right. sure. with Aston sure. Martin last year, that just wasn't the case. So I'm I'm hoping that this year No, he's he's definitely not a rookie. He's he's a seasoned guy at this point. And so I think my hope for Aston Martin this year is that they they start off on the right foot like they did last year, but they're able to learn their lessons from last year and develop the car and know which direction they, they understand their concept enough to know what will work and what won't, what will gain performance and what will take away performance or not make any difference at all. So Here's it's my, he, no, go, sorry, go, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
So, so here's my bearish take on Aston Martin for 2024 is look what's in front of them on the grid with, with uh, you know, McLaren, like we just talked about, these younger drivers and the team that's been improving, and upstart Ferrari with bright days ahead and a lot of energy there. And then you've got Mercedes and Red Bull that, you know, where, where do you, where are they going to make up the ground? Where? Yeah. You it's know, gonna be tough. It's, it's gonna be. It, I mean, tough. they've got a tough, tough climb ahead of them. I think. Um, like yeah, you said, when you consider true. the the teams that are ahead of them, the well established that have a good plan in progress, um, or they have a ridiculously fast car that just hasn't had the potential tap yet. Where I mean, we'll see where the RB twenty lands, and I'm sure it'll be an incredibly quick car. So. I, I mean, just, where do they go? They're kind of stuck really in pretty. this little middle ground of the teams in the midfield, and it's great if you can break out of that, but you're are you going to really be able to catch up and, to, and assert yourself with the top four, top five teams? Very tricky. Very tricky. It is very so, tricky. So we don't have to go through each of the let's call it the bottom five there. Yes. Uh, in too in too much detail, but let me ask you this: of those teams that we might consider that second tier, who would you think could be pressuring on Aston Martin for points on uh, any given weekend? Who who you know is there a team that's that's on the upswing and uh, you know heading into Bahrain that could be thinking this is the year? Is it? Is it Williams? Is I would like not? to see. I, I think Williams has a chance because Sargent put in the work in the offseason. He put on five kilograms during the offseason, which, I mean, I know he lost some last season. I mean, all drivers do throughout the course of the season. But the fact right. that he bulked up five kilograms, I don't know. I don't know what that is in pounds. I'm an American. I was going to say American, that, please. Um, yeah, right. exactly. Can, can we can we have that in American, please? Thank you. Um no, I don't know the conversion on that. I'll look it up afterwards just to give my own brain something to go off of. But, <laughs> yeah. But, I, I mean, it seems like he's taking this very seriously. He's not one of these drivers who locked into his seat last year that just was happy to be there and he's like, oh, thank God I got another chance. He knows that this is his chance and he wants to make the most of it. He wants to be in formula one. He really wants to show that he belongs here. And I think that him putting in that kind of effort in the off season really goes to show that he does. And I think it speaks a lot of volumes for his mindset because in all the interviews that I've seen of him, he's, he knows that he has the pace to be competitive, at least in the midfield. And to get Williams some points, um, it just comes down to the consistency and having good performances on Saturday qualifying. And yeah, I, I don't know. I'd like to see Williams take that step. And I think that with two drivers bringing in points, they will make that step. And I think Aston has to be watching on their heels a little bit. Um, so you just said something. Um... You think Williams? There's going to be two. They're going to have two drivers bringing in points. You do think Logan Sargent? Yeah, is going to. Uh, I think so. Score some points this year, and really I, I think this year he will. 
I think it's great. I, I, I really, I root for Williams. They're one of those teams that I, for whatever reason, I, I have a small affinity for. It might just be, you know, who I follow on social media or whatever. But it, it, and it feels good to see Williams. When I started watching, they were really the back marker for the, for the grid. So now we're talking about them taking points away from a top five team. That's exciting. That's it something is. to look for. And Alex Albon, I mean, he wants to to mark himself again as a top top racer. I mean, yeah, because be I mean, a, a lot of musical chairs, I think, in the future. Oh yeah, and that's so. that's exactly what I was gonna touch on is the fact that he's got a contract situation coming up, and he, I think, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see whether he stays at Williams and continues to push them forward, or he says, "I'm out of here," and jumps for maybe the Mercedes seat or if Red Bull wants to take him back. There's there's gonna be some options on the table, I think. So it'll be sought after. It, for we'll sure. we'll definitely sure. talk about that as the season goes over. But for now, yeah, I I think that the combination of the two where a an Alex Albon, as long as he maintains his form he had last year, which I don't see him losing that after the year he had. Um and Sergeant really saying and it appears that he's locked in and focused for this year. I think that they're going to be scoring some good points. So I, I, me too. Now, (laughs) now we talk about the cellar dwellers. So Haas, Sauber, am I missing anybody? It's been so long since I heard your names. Alpine. Oh God. Alpine looks so slow. I don't know what it is about their car, but it looks slow to me. It, it just well, looks it's it's slow. all carbon with a couple of strips of paint. So. Uh, I saw it. The weight the yeah. waste saving is not helping them there apparently. But um, I saw a great meme with Alpine just just earlier. It was uh, a man pulling up next to uh, I forget who it is the Alpine team principal and saying, "Excuse me, sir, how much for your tractor?" well they were slow in both free practices today so and they were also slow during the test days so i mean if that's anything they go off of they're probably not going to be super competitive this year anyways now let's move on to haas who in i'm going to summarize it like this haas is an american team that is owned by somebody who doesn't want to put any money or effort into the team and really should have just sold it to Andretti. That's my take. There it is. There you <sighs> go. Moving on. So they're the Oakland Athletics of the Formula <laughs> One. I mean, you know, it, it's it's. Was that ever on the table? Selling to Andretti was that possible? Was that it? No. You know, I, I don't. No. I don't. Gene, Gene Haas doesn't want to sell that team. He knows he can make a ton of money on it, but he's making money because his brand name is out there every race weekend and i mean that's great i'm i'm happy that we have a quasi american team in the sport but when you have the situation like we had this offseason with andretti trying and fighting and clawing to get in ultimately being denied a true that's a whole episode race team a true race team with incredible history not only in other motorsports where they're very successful, by the way, but the Andretti name has history in Formula One by with Mario Andretti winning a championship. I I, I mean I don't I don't understand. I mean, 
this is about as hot as I've heard you get here on the uh, well, on the FM podcast. I've got to say, just, if, you're, you're it frustrates gorgeous. me. We haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, so here we go. But yeah, it's just brilliant. it's it's frustrating because you have a team like Haas who looks like they don't want to do anything to be competitive. They're they're comfortable with being a two hundred mile an hour billboard for Gene Haas. Is, and, that, is it a money issue? Are they not investing no, any money into? Yeah, it? that's that's why Gunther Steiner was was ousted because he kept pleading that they needed to invest in the team and invest in personnel, invest in facilities. The whole they have a headquarters in the United States and they have a headquarters in England or in Italy, one of the two. I can't remember which one anymore, but they. Like the the communication issues that that causes, and nobody is really on the same page. They're using parts from Ferrari from last year's car, or going off a concept that Ferrari has because they share wind tunnel time. And I don't know. Like it's just it's it's frustrating because when they came into the sport their first year, 2016, they were pretty good. I mean, they got sixth place in their first race. So. I mean that's that's nothing to be like to be sweeping under the rug and they you know they have the drivers that want they I'm sure the drivers want to be competitive right I mean what driver wouldn't want to be competitive and it must get so annoying so frustrating to be at the back of the grid all the time and knowing that your team and your the boss of the team isn't doing really anything to change that he doesn't seem motivated anymore and well think about this think about this i am a relatively new formula one fan and i was looking for teams to root for i'm an american and i'm thinking hey how about the american team and i have no no love for haas i don't really no you don't like i don't really hear about them you you barely even see them yeah, if they did well, I'd be I'd feel great for him. But it's not like I I opened the weekend looking for for Nico Hulkenberg's uh, times, and I don't know. I think there's a the Formula One in America has exploded. Yeah, and Haas is just uh, not. I think they're missing a lot of opportunities. I think they are too. And I, I mean, I I guess the the one positive I will say is that like Ferrari last year, they they had great car for qualifying. They always seem to be jumping yeah, up the grid and qualifying. Yeah. And then they would get to the race and they would plummet because they would just destroy their tires, just like the Ferrari did. So, if there's any hope judging off of this year's Ferrari, maybe that'll change a little bit and maybe that could help Haas. But I just, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating because, like I said, this is supposed to be an American team, but it's not being funded and supported the way it needs to be to flourish in Formula 1 or at least have a chance. And you're turning right. now F1 right. is turning down the Andretti name because teams don't want to split up the the cash anymore, which I I get to an extent, but you know, it's it's frustrating. It is frustrating. It is frustrating and that was, you know, that saga could be a whole episode we do a nice little half hour discussion on what went wrong with Andretti oh, yeah. and the whole That's going to be a whole episode. Anyways, so, stepping well, away from Haas before we get too much more wrapped up in that. Yeah. My bad, <laughs> my bad. There was a lot of things I was holding in the past 
few weeks or months since that all since that all went down. Now's the time. It's a new year. (sighs) All right, you're centering. We're good. Who's next? Who's next on the chopping block? Sauber. Are we gonna talk Sauber next? Yeah. How do you feel about these rebranded? Uh, Sauber and uh, RB or Baby Bulls. These two teams. <laughs> uh, he, hates he hates it. Well, I mean, we already touched on the on the Baby Bulls. I think they could be a, a decent team this year. Probably fighting in the midfield, no problem. Um, causing some trouble on Sundays for some of the bigger teams, we'll see. But Sauber, I don't know. I mean, I think they're kind of in like this limbo mode where they're waiting for Audi to take over, so they're not as focused as they could be, which doesn't make a lot of sense because when you have a big-name brand like Audi coming in, wouldn't you want to set them up with the best possible situation and give them all the more reason to want to buy into it, where instead you're like, you know what, we're just going gonna to kick our feet up here, we're going to stretch out, and uh, we're going to just let the next couple of seasons roll on by until we get outied. So just watch some races. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, it's tricky. How do they, you know, it is, it is tricky because they have, I I know they want to do like a full rebrand with this new team name, the kick stake, sauber, alpha rail racing, whatever team, but at the same time, I think they also could have been fine just going with the Sauber name, letting that live yeah. on for a couple of seasons before it changes to Audi and we lose the Sauber name. That's just the Formula One fan of me. Sorry, guys. But um, yeah, oh, I, think I, that's a good point. I, I don't know. I think that's I, a good point. I want them to do well. I And not just because Audi's coming into the sport, and I want Audi to do well too, but also because... I mean, they they haven't been relevant for a long time, and I'd like to see them do well. And the cars don't look that bad; they really don't. Um, no, the, no. They, it looks like you know some of the they just don't have the funding that they that they need to really push themselves up the grid. But you can see the concept that they have. It's not a bad concept. It's 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 good i uh, you know it's it's not going to get them very far but it's a good concept and the, they have capable drivers uh Guan Yu Zhou or Zhou Guan Yu um and Valtteri Bottas but it's just like i you expect more from them you know um sure sure rather than just trying to maybe yeah, uh, get a point. A point, and, and, and especially weekend. and especially coming off their Alfa Romeo years, having a big name like Alfa Romeo attached to their car, um, you'd expect a little bit more from them, and it, we just didn't see that. But I mean, I they didn't show a whole lot of good in the test. They they were fairly quick. I will give them that. Um, I I. I think they could be a borderline Q Q3 team, but kind of relegated to the Q2 uh, part of the grid. So essentially, more of more of the same. Yeah, just kind of more of the same. Last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, more of the aiming, same. Aiming towards 2026, is it when when Audi is it 
Yes, 2026 is when Audi's supposed to come into play. It's too bad that that seems to just be the target and everything else between now and then. Yeah. Yeah. They're just kind of like, like the next couple of years are just like, all right, well, Audi's coming in in a couple of years. We're just going to ride this out like we were saying before. Yeah. Yeah. So. Did we we miss anybody? I mean, I think we glossed over. I, so let's see. We got we got Ferrari, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, Red Bull. We trashed on Alpine a little bit. Called them a tractor. <laughs> Call them a tractor. <laughs> Call them a tractor. That was the most memorable. Um, let's see. Ba- Baby Bulls, Williams, Sauber, Aston Martin. Haas. It's not in Haas. Yep. All right. Cool. Ten. Well. What do you say we make Q3 then? If uh, Q1 was the top tier, Q2 was the second tier. How about Q3 of this podcast is uh, expectations for Bahrain? If you have uh, okay. I like that. some thoughts that's a good, for... That's a for, nice segue. I like that. How about that? You like that? Q3 oh, we might have to be, use uh, that going forward. There we go. That's that's pretty segmented. good. Yeah, we're going right, to have right. add that into our intros that we're going to do with... Uh, Mark it talk, down. In, the, in upcoming in Q1. I like that. And each one's a yeah, different time frame. I like it. I like it. It's in. <laughs> it's in the podcast. It's Look at us now. evolving on the fly, guys. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what do you think? What what uh, what would you like to see happen? And what do you think is the realistic expectation for, we don't have to dive down the whole grid, but the top uh, podium positions or anyone in the top five there? Anybody but Red Bull 30 seconds ahead. Uh, let's, is that let's, where we are? Is that where let's we manage stand? these expectations a little bit because I mean, who knows? I mean, Red Bull could just find the setup for their car over the next day, and you know they could be miles ahead. I don't want to see that. I don't think anybody wants to see that. Nobody. Wants Unless you're a Red Bull fan, no. then I mean, more props to you. Yeah, there's millions but, of them. So yeah, yeah and that's that's fine. That's all fine and dandy. We all have our moment in the sun. It's fine. But um, yeah, I, I think that. It would be great to see a mix-up up in the top 10. I think we are kind of seeing that as as long as things hold station from FP2, which I don't think they will. I mean, we had the Mercedes 1 and 2, and then I think well, we had we Piastri in 3rd. Um, or was it Science? Science or Piastri in 3rd or 4th. Kind of mix them up, however... Whichever one's right. And then I think Verstappen was in, was either fifth or sixth. Perez was down towards the bottom portion of the top ten, I think in eighth. Uh, Leclerc was ninth. He didn't really have a – he was kind of fighting the car a little bit. So I think his time will come down once he comes to grip with it and finds a good setup and um, pulls some Leclerc magic and qualifying. But – Ooh, looking forward to that. I'm yeah, oh, forward oh, to me too. I I can't wait to see qualifying. It's it's always. I think I think it's the best part of the weekend because I mean those cars are like maximum attack. Especially the first one of the year too. It's it's yep. exciting. It's very. It exciting. is. It is so, so much so anticipation. Let me ask you this. Let's say take Max out of the equation. Who would you expect to be on pole? Or I guess you could say who do you picture uh, qualifying second tomorrow? Oh, from what you've seen I, so I far, think, I to... think it's going to be a fight between. Well, it you know it sounds cliche to say, but Mercedes, Ferrari, and McLaren. 
I think those those three teams have the best shot at either upsetting Red Bull or being very close to it. McLaren has showed excellent pace during testing and during the practice sessions so far, as has Ferrari, as has Mercedes. So it's really going to be a toss-up, and it's really going to come down to does Red Bull find that, that magic setup for their car? Or does Max just pull one out of the bag like he did in Monaco last year? It, it, it's it's going to come down to something like that. But I think we could be in for a pretty entertaining race as long as there's a good mix of cars in the top 10. Oh, I it's, hope so. It remains to be seen, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. And I'm saying that because of what I saw in FP2. Because that was going to be more relevant conditions to tomorrow night's well uh well next like what 12 hours um the it's getting there we're almost there like the countdown show um yeah exactly we are the countdown show but um yeah i think like we've been saying we're not going to see anything relative until final five minutes of q3 that's exciting I mean, so, that's when that's when you finally show your cards, right? Exactly. You your cards. Exactly. Uh, I'm I'm well, so excited. I don't I don't know about you, but I'm I'm pumped. And oh yeah, I think what makes it kind of cool is that. Although, oh yeah, you're it's, it's, you're gonna be able to watch the the race with the, my dad because he's he's going out there this weekend, right? So that's he's, right. I think he I think he'll be there in time for the Grand Prix. If he if he's not too jet lagged flying in, yeah. If he's not too jet lagged, right, on right. a Saturday morning. But uh, <laughs> if if he's up, you know, I, if he's up, I'm probably gonna have. So the plan is out here. We have a couple neighbors who will will kind of open our door and have the Grand Prix on, and they'll shuffle over. And oh, that's cool. Breakfast. I like that. Yeah, and we've got a couple of friends who might uh, show up. We have, you know, Lulu. One of her friends might show up for a little morning mimosa or something. Those two can. Uh, it's nice. We have a nice little thing going on here with our Formula awesome. One community. Um, it's exciting, you know. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be back to a race weekend. Me too. And to have it, it just feels it feels good, you know. It, it does. feels. I, like I'm, I said at the beginning, it's everything feels optimistic, right? Like right. anything could happen. Yeah, and it, I, I'm just I'm just excited because I've I've missed the rush of I, I play hockey on Saturday mornings, and either watching or listening to the qualifying session or whatever's going on um, while I'm going home or taking a shower or whatever after the game. But now it's like, oh, now I get to, like, I'm going to try and, like, rush home so I can just be be there right in time for the green flag to drop. And, so will, uh, will you be home? What's your plan? Will you tape it? I don't want to spoil you. Well, and, I, like, I, you. I, always, I always tape it. Yep. And then, but I think... You know, I play hockey at like seven in the morning. I know it's it's really early. It's it's tough sometimes. It is early, yeah. Hockey at seven goes to eight. I'm usually out of there at like eight thirty. If I can take a quick shower and get up the hour drive back home, I'm standing a good chance of being able to get nice and comfortable before the race starts. Beautiful, perfect timing. So yeah, I'm, like I'm perfect, psyched yeah. because uh, Saturday is going to be. It's going to be dedicated to that in the first half of the day. Beautiful. No interruptions. Beautiful. I can't wait. 
Can't wait. I mean, this is it. This is Hope Hope Spring Eternal. We're we're here. Should we um, um should we do like a like a live recording as we're watching the race? I was thinking about that. I was thinking about doing a live, you know, finding a stream, finding a way to stream it. And uh or well, you I know, mean even if we don't, we could yeah, we could record the podcast as we're as we're doing this or as, as we're, we're watching, watching the, as we're watching the race. We had, I think we'd have to I find like a that. way around like the copyright stuff because that's hoops and hurdles these days. But yeah, yeah, I think, I think as, long as, we don't, as long as we don't show it or, or have right. audio, right? But do yeah, we'll invite people into once we figure it out. We can invite people into uh, to join us even and have a group chat going or something. Could be good. Uh, I think be good. Be we'll figure it out. We'll oh, figure yeah. it out. A little bit of time. Um, Just a little bit of time any, left. Any, uh, yeah, any, anything between now and then that you think, uh, do you want to, do you want to talk about Christian Horner really quickly being cleared of all wrongdoing and... I'm not going to lie, I kind of saw that coming. I mean, from, from the reports that I was hearing and I don't, I mean, I, I didn't read a whole lot into it, but from what I was seeing, it was kind of like a, my, my boss is too hard on me kind of thing. Right. I don't know if that's sure. what, I don't know if that's what you heard, but that's the report that I heard. I don't know if that's different from the actual thing, but you know, I, I didn't look too deeply into it. I just felt like when he was cleared, you know what? I'm just glad that there's one less, you know, crappy thing going on in the world yeah, right. or going on with the team. Right. I was just glad, and we can just focus on on racing and yep. not some some other stuff. So I felt like it's good for good for everyone involved that it just kind of. Will be dismissed and pushed yeah, away. It allows everybody to focus on the start of the season, which is what we should have been doing anyways. Um, That's right. That's and, right. And I'm I'm glad that they they did the proper thing. They did the investigation before they fired him or anything like that. Where we, you know, it, it's it's just good to see the due process happen and then decision made. Sure, sure. I think that's right because now. Now the right thing was done. You can move yep. forward. Imagine if he had been, you know, wrongly oh, fired. Been, now he's got a lawsuit against. That Red would have Bull. been talking, such you know. a such a big talking point. I think all season. Right. Because right for I a mean, long what, what, what does Red Bull do? Because he's been there since the start. He's right. been their team principal since the start of Red Bull. So, I mean, how do you replace that? And, and as a competitor, as, as a fan of a competitor, you don't want to win that way. You don't want no, you know your not. main competitor to be disqualified for any reason. So, yeah, I think uh, you know. I just think in general, it's good. It's in the past, and uh, one last thing to kind of feel bad about in twenty twenty four. Yeah, but uh, so we will we will talk to you either during, right during, or after Bahrain. And uh, what else? What else you have to uh, get off your chest before we? Get out of here! I feel like you want to vent. Any other, uh, any other anger you want to direct towards Formula no, One? No, the FIA? no, more, no more angers. No more anger towards the FIA, Formula One governing bodies, anybody like that. Because it would be nice to be able to attend one of these races one of these days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need do to do everything be, really I don't well. Need to, like, yeah, I don't need to like go to like buy a ticket and it comes across as like a message across the screen like, oh well, you've been barred from buying tickets to these events we know? heard what you said about us <laughs> yeah, yeah we heard yeah. That's <laughs> um true. that's true no but i think that i'm just ready for an exciting season i hope it's an exciting season and it's it's always really tough to tell from 
testing in the first couple of practices, and even the first one or two races. But, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's going to be a, a mix-up of a season. And I've been watching a lot of the, 2020, the 2010 season. Uh, r- their races are on the Formula 1 archive, and I've been kind of going through that season. It's just such an incredible season. Where going into the final race, there were four people, four drivers, that had a chance at the title. Going into the last race, they were also still mathematically in it um, through different scenarios. And I mean, it's just, I, I want something like that again. I think the sport needs something like that again after the Mercedes dominance and then now the Re- this new Red Bull dominance. I think it would just be good for the sport to have that kind of competitiveness again. Sure. I would love it. You know, you'd love to see it. And it would make the second half of the season that much more compelling and interesting. Yeah, you'd want to watch it. Yeah, people. I do. I did notice last year people started tuning out, especially you know the American fan with a lot of other sport options and yeah, right. Uh, short attention spans could uh, tune out a little bit on yes. those seasons where one team is running away like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I think I'm I'm ready. I'm. I hate I'm to good. say this. Here, here's here's the worst part is. The thing I have to have for my Formula One weekend is a couple of Red Bulls in the fridge. And yeah, it, really, I, it really steams my clans when yeah. I have to drink them. I hate drink them, but I drink them, and it's terrible. <laughs> but, I, I actively avoid the ones that have Verstappen and Perez on them. <laughs> every time I goes reach, the, every time I reach in for a Red Bull before a hockey game, I I always like I see like the rows of like the normal cans and then those cans, and I always like I start to because I'm like, oh, Formula One fan, I'm a I want to grab the Formula One can, and then I see who's on it, like, uh, nope, I'm gonna grab the regular mind. one. <laughs> never mind. I, I think I'll drink a I monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think I think it's time. I hate to say it, but I think it's time for us to. To skedaddle out of here on the yes, F1 it is. And I'll be talking to you in just a couple of days when when the race is here, the first race of the 2024 Formula One season. Can't wait! Can't wait! Big things happening this year, and big things uh, hopefully on the track. Looking forward to talking to you about it all and uh, interacting with anyone out there who wants to talk Formula One. So, I guess Connor, why don't you take us on out of here? All right. Well. I don't really know how to close these things, but I hope that everybody enjoys watching the first race of the season. It's going to be a great year. And uh, thanks for listening to us, as always. Take care, everybody. This has been a Funcast production. Our theme song is Sport Rock Trailer by Audio Coffee Music. Check them out at audiocoffee.net. The F1 Funcast is not affiliated with Formula One or professional motorsport in any way, and this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. Contact us at f1funcast at gmail.com. <laughs>